I'm going to ask you, if you would, to take your Bibles and let's go together to the book of 1 Corinthians. Heading into 1 Corinthians, and you can go to chapter 16. Way back in the early 1990s, there was a television ad campaign that went on. And it was put on by Gatorade, and they wanted to try to find ways to get people excited about their drink. And so they said, well, what better way to do it than if we can connect our drink with somebody who's sort of a super sports celebrity that everybody else would like and want to be affiliated with. And that person that they found was Michael Jordan. And the commercial had a jingle that went like this, be like Mike. And it continues even to this day, be like Mike. And the commercials all had these people, and they're playing basketball with Michael Jordan and, you know, the back lots or whatever. And, and you saw it, and you thought, oh, what a great guy, you know. And he would be a lot of fun to just go out there and to play ball with. And it sort of inculcated this idea of a, a hero worship, that we really like him. And if you really like somebody, then you want to be like somebody. So if you're going to be like somebody, be like Mike, especially when he's drinking Gatorade. And so when a person becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, though, we find a new hero, and that new hero is in the one who has saved us. And as a result of that, and having been changed by him, he begins to change our heart and the kind of things that, that we aspire to and we want to live for. So we learn, God is love. I want to be like God. I want to love. God is forgiving. I want to be like God. I want to be forgiving. God is just, and I want to be like God. I want to pursue justice, but God is also gracious, and I want to be like God and pursue graciousness and give grace to others. And so there's all these different components. And so instead of be like Mike, the call is be like Christ. That's the exhortation that we get in the scripture. But there's another aspect of God that's very important for us to remember and to realize that we're to be like. And that is God is also a giver. God gives. And the exhortation for us is give like Christ. Now, all, when I say giving, we have to initially come back to well, when the scriptures speak about this, it's all-inclusive. There's an aspect of giving that has to do with our time, to give our time to him and to his purposes. But it's also relative to our possessions and the things that we have and the things that we own. But it's also the money that he entrusts unto us and to our management. But any time we give, and I want to say especially sacrificially, it's an opportunity for us to be like Christ and to give as he gives. Now, to what degree does God call on us to give? What's that look like? To the same level he did. Generously, freely, sacrificially, and cheerfully. He is the one who would give his own life for ours. That's how far he would go. You know, recently, if you've been reading through the uh, two-year Bible reading program with us, one of the things that you encountered here in the not-too-distant past, you read the story when David sought to purchase the land in which he was led by God to build the temple of God on. And so he goes to the owner, the guy's name's Ornan, and he says, I want to buy this. And in 1 Chronicles 21, 23, this is what we read. Ornan says to him, no, take it for yourself. Let my lord the king do what's good in his sight. See, I'll give the oxen for burnt offering and the threshing sledges for wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I'll give it all. But King David said to Ornan, Ornan, no, but I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering which costs me nothing. You see the idea behind where David's heart was? He says, I'm not going for merely efficiency. If you just give it to me, then it isn't a gift that I really get to give. 
I want it to be something in which there is a price and I can reveal to God through that what I think of him and how I feel about him. And we all understand this because it's very much like when a guy gives a woman an engagement ring, right? He doesn't go cheap. Not if he wants her to say yes. He's going to be very deliberate about that. And he wants to show her how much her value is based on how many months he's willing to work to buy this thing to get an income sufficient such that he can give it to her and reflect and say, this is the value that I see in you and how much I love you. It's the same thing with David, with his heart towards God. Purchasing the land to give to God, it was an act of worship. That's what he was doing. Just an act of worship. And we see it in the Old Testament again when Abraham defeats the kings and he gets all these material goods and then he goes to the high priest or to the priest Melchizedek and he says, here, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything I have. Now I want to remind you of something. When Abraham does that, Moses hadn't been born yet. There was no law that said you need to do this. It was just out of his heart, out of his, I, I have to worship somehow. And God has bestowed on me all of this. Therefore, I in turn am going to turn around and bestow this unto him. So he would give back to the Lord, and it was an act of worship. That was the intent behind it, an overflow of the appreciation that he had for God. Well, those are our Old Testament examples of what God has done, giving in worship. Did any of this change after the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Uh, did any of this change when we got the permanent abiding presence of the Holy Spirit? What has happened here? Are we to give of our resources? And I'll say particularly through our money. What do we do? We are not the only ones to ask that question. In fact, the book of Corinthians, both the first and second Corinthians, Paul wrote a letter to the people of Corinth, and they had questions for him. There were issues going on in the church. And so they barraged him with questions, and he just takes these books, and he uses them to respond to their questions and give them a thorough thought process on how God feels about these things. And one of the questions they asked him about was, what do we do about our weekly offering? What's this about? This is not a day and age where you sacrificed an animal, literally, and it was part of your wealth. This was the day they'd moved past that. They weren't part of the Jewish culture. And so their sacrifices were actually going to be part of their income, the things that God had given to them, and they needed teaching on it. And so Paul knew that as this church had been blessed, there were other churches that hadn't been quite as blessed, and they had certain needs. And so Paul, as the leader and the pastor, it was going to take of their offering, and he told them in advance, you give, this, give it to me, I'm going to take it, I'm going to divide it up, and I'm going to give it. There was an authority, a, a means of distributing the things that people had given in their offerings. It was in this effort, Paul gives us what I'm going to say are timeless principles for every church regarding the mindset of giving, but not just giving, giving as an act of worship unto God. That's what's important here, an act of worship. And four of those are going to be found, in, four of the principles I'm going to give you are found in just one verse of the Bible, and that's in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at another couple of principles based on other scriptures. How are these people to prepare for worship through the giving of their finances? Would you stand with me? You won't stand long. It's only one verse. Out of respect for the word of God. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. Father in heaven, our prayer is, as in all things, that our hearts 
or was changed. It isn't just about behavior. It's about our hearts and our thoughts towards you. Would you work in and through us through this passage today? In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So a couple of observations about this verse that also give us some principles. And I think the first one is this. We see in this that when it comes to weekly giving, there's a mindset that it needs to be recurrent. Notice he says, on the first day of the week. Now, why is that significant? Because they, like us, worshiped on Sunday. They gathered together. They didn't do it on Saturday. That was the Sabbath. That was the Jewish, Jewish day. On Sunday, that was resurrection day, or the day that Christ was raised from the dead. And that took over as the new time in which people would gather and purpose to worship. So the first day of the week on Sunday, when they gathered together in this time, they were to use the time in which they gathered together for the regular action of worship through giving. And I'll remind you something. Worship through giving, there's a discipline to it. There's a deliberateness behind it. And the recurrent nature of giving repeatedly based on when we get income and being deliberate to present that in church helps to keep our hearts aligned with the giving nature of God. It forces us to keep thinking about it, to keep remembering, to keep coming back to this and being deliberate to give to him. Now, even though the church's time in which people gave, it was a communal time where everyone did it together, and it was a church-wide event, Paul made sure that everyone didn't start thinking giving is what other people do. Because look how the verse continues, and it's the second point, where he says giving should be personal. Because the passage says, each one of you. In the Greek, that phrase means each one of you. It means everybody. Nobody gets off on this thing. Everybody is meant to worship in this way. And so based on how God has given to you, you are deliberate. So giving is not just for the wealthy. Giving is not just for people who aren't on church staff. But, you know, church staff get a free pass. No. Giving is for everybody. And some of you may look and go, well, what about when I'm poor and I don't have much? You remember the passage in the Gospels in which Jesus praised the widow who didn't have a means of income, and she took all that she had, and she presented it unto the Lord. And he, comment, he commended her for her faith. What do we do with all this? We come back to thinking about, remember, that's the principle behind this, is it's an act of worship. You gave to me, God. You were first. I, in turn, am going to display my faith and love by giving back. And so we're not talking about socialism. It's not about communism. You know, everyone, let's get all our goods together, and then we're just going to go forward, you know, however we deem best. It's you worshiping God by giving. That's the mindset. That's the heart we need to have. Paul goes on and says worship through giving is meant to be very deliberate. Deliberate. He said each one of you is to put aside, and look at this, and save this means when God blesses us with an income, we're to take it and go, okay, this is what I have. Now, I'm going to start here, and I'm going to give this to God, and then whatever's left over, then I'm going to pay my bills and take care of these other things. But there's a deliberateness in this. You don't want to be like the boy whose mom gave him two $1 bills. He said, son, you go out, and here's what you get to do. With this one, I want you to go to church, and I want you to give it to God. And this one, you can go buy ice cream. A little while later, she sees him come back. He's got the ice cream. She says, oh, did you make it to church? And he said, no. 
She said, well, what happened to the dollar? He says, well, I tripped and fell, and God's dollar blew away. The idea being, sometimes we look at this and we go, well, God's dollar, that isn't as significant. I have to focus on what I got to take care of, and I got to take care of number one. That's not where God goes. He says, no, you start with me. Start in worship. When God gives us money, we're meant to put aside, and we're to purpose to give to him as an offering. I'd like to go one step further with you. I'd like to present all of you with a challenge, if this wasn't challenging enough. Here's the challenge. When you do your budget, you have that which you're going to give to God through your church, and then you set up another giving fund and start to grow it and watch God grow your faith. And by doing this, here's what you're going to do. You're going to start to accumulate some money over here, and then you find out some immediate needs. And you go, I can meet that. So you're going along, you find out a friend, they don't have money for groceries. You know what? We've got this account. We've got $200 in it. We're going to go buy them some groceries. Or you find out something else. Maybe uh, through your church or through your ministry, uh, there's going to be this effort to build churches in Ghana like we've had before. Now what can you do? You can look at this other account and you can go, we've already got the money. It's already been set aside. We've been purposing for this. But the heart behind it is a heart of worship that is going to be deliberate. God, what is it that you are calling us to when you would have us to save for? Now, if you're purposing to save as a means of giving, then that means that your offering and your giving is a priority to you. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. That means you give to God off the top. Now, think about an agrarian culture that that was written to, right? You've got the harvest going on. You start to get some of the first fruits, and God says, I want those. But God, I mean, <laughs> we don't even have the rest harvested yet. I know. I want the first. But, but how do we know that we're going to have enough food to live off of? Well, you're going to have to trust me. Well, how do we know we're going to have enough food for the seed corn for next year? You're going to have to trust me. That was the heart that God called his people to. And he said, you can test me. I'll be faithful. I will take care of you. And he will. So for us, what does that mean? When you get an income and you've purposed to set aside right off the top, right from the very beginning. Another observation that we have here, that worship through giving is to be predetermined. He says, each one of you must do as he has purposed in his heart. You've decided in advance the amount that you're going to give or the percentage. And you're going to be faithful in that way and let that be an act of worship. I found that when we, when we wait until Sunday morning and we see how the Spirit's going to lead us and you know, how we're going to give, the Spirit gets real cheap on Sunday mornings. The Spirit's leading me to give $5. As opposed to in the week when you're thinking about it and you're praying about it and you're anticipating it, now you're getting excited you're starting to look at the amount. You're starting to think of what it is that God can do. And then it becomes this, this excitement that you can have as you're actually giving as a means of worship. So the challenge on all of us here is do you plan regarding your giving? I've shared this story before, but, man, it was transformational in my life. Uh, when I first started flying for the commuter airlines, you know, the commuters, they pay you nothing. I think I got a whole seven, no, I did. I got $700 a month. Our rent was 600 And I looked, and I felt convicted. And I was like, God wants me to give, 
And I didn't feel confined to percentages, but in that time I did. I was like, okay, God, I'm seeing the Old Testament principle of 10%. If I give 10%, that's 70 bucks. That means we have $30 for gas, insurance, diapers, groceries. And we just went, went on. And I was like, I, I don't see how it's going to happen. Now, to be honest, I didn't see how it was going to happen with $100 if I didn't give. But it was just kind of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to trust you. Now, my testimony is not, we gave God a dollar and he gave us two back. That's not the case. It was a long time. We were having to trust him. Things were very tight. Years before, we had gotten used to eating cereal for breakfast. We learned cereal is expensive. We converted to oatmeal. And, you know, roast beef sandwiches, those kind of went out the window and kind of converted into PB&J. So there was a lot of ways that we had to really tighten up. But we never missed a bill. To this day, I can't figure out how it worked out. I just can't. I, I should go back because this was on the heels of almost like two years of starting my own business and losing all my money and all this kind of stuff. So it was a weird time. And yet God was ever faithful. So it's an act of worship. You predetermine. Because if you don't predetermine, let me tell you something. You're going to determine that you don't have anything to give when in fact you do. Last point about worship through giving, and that is it's meant to be discreet with others. Now, Jesus addressed this along with some of the other aspects of worship, like prayer and fasting in Matthew chapter 6, when he said, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. This is not something you're doing to say, look at me. Um, I can take an act of worship, and I can easily pervert it this way, and you can too. And two of the ways we do is we can pervert it into power, or we can pervert it into some form of recognition that we give as a means of establishing some control over others, or we give as a means of, it's really, in both cases, it's not giving, it's buying. I'm buying power, or I'm buying recognition. And I've seen this over time. I've had people look at me and tell me, I'm not happy with this church, I am not going to give to this church. I was like, well, okay, um, I, I don't know what I can do to help you. I can tell you this, we'll be fine without your giving you won't be fine for not giving. That's going to be a problem because you've converted it from this act of power and getting what you want. That's what you've turned it into as opposed to an act of worship. Early in my ministry, I had a guy walk up to my door in my house, rang the doorbell. He's like, hey, how's it going? He says, hey, listen, I wasn't able to be in church this Sunday. Uh, can I just give my offering to you? And before I could say anything, he just held it up so that I could see it. And I saw the amount. And it was a very large amount. And I looked at that for a second, and I said, sure, I'll do that for you. But I learned something in that moment. I, I made a determination. Anytime someone does that, and they show it to me so that the amount shows, I'm just going to tell them, I'm not doing this. I'm not touching it. Because I don't need to know. You, my friend, are buying recognition. And that's messed up. This has to be an act of worship. And that means it should be discreet between you and the Lord. When I talk about giving in general, I personally am fine to challenge anybody on this. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I'm looking for money. This is an aspect of discipleship. I will challenge people on prayer. I will challenge people on all, all, so many different aspects of their Christian life. But their giving as an act of worship is another one that I will challenge them. And I do it with my kids, and I've done it with my kids, and I'll do it with anybody else. 
that I have the opportunity to disciple. But in the end, it's always going to be pointing the individual to see it as an act of worship. And something I've kind of learned as time has gone on, I've learned most people have no problems with a preacher preaching on money. Some of you may think, oh, you know, you're always getting railed or hammered on that. No, I don't. Almost never get on that. and Never get attacked on that. Because the problem is usually not about the money and what does the Bible teach. People's problem is when they don't trust the person who's speaking about it. And they think this might be a shyster who's actually not interested in me giving as an act of worship, but in them buying a private jet. And that's a whole different matter entirely. And on that, all I know to do is say, you know who I am. And if you don't know who I am, well, then I'll give you the chance to figure out who I am. But at the end of the day, what you have to do is you have to go, but is this what the Bible teaches? That's where you need to land. And that's why I'm always comfortable to talk about it, as long as I'm doing so in light of what has God said. Because then I can say, is that what the Bible says? Yeah? Okay. I don't think you have a problem with me, if you have a problem. Your problem might be with God and what he says. So... We're going to preach on it, and we're going to teach on it because it's important. Jesus did, and it's a part of our, where our hearts tend to go. Now, today, here's what I want to do with you. Something I want to do with you, though, is I want to talk about a problem that we have. It's a problem that I have to take the blame for. I'm, I'm, I'm going to own this. Our worship services, we have not done a good job of establishing a time of worship through giving. And we need to make it visible, and we need to make it participatory again. And when I say visible, not I see what you're doing. Rather, it's a time where it's something that we are doing together, and we realize that. Now, in the old days, pre-COVID, what we used to do is we used to take a plate, and we would pass it back and forth. And we stopped that for two reasons. One was COVID. You know, nobody knew what was going on. We didn't know as much as we know about it now. And we're not going to touch all the same things that everybody else is touching. That was a part of it. But the second one really has to do with a new problem that we have. And that is the plate facilitates worship only to those of you that are old. Because it's only the older crowd that carries cash or a checkbook. And that's what a plate facilitates. Cash or a checkbook. The younger people, they don't carry cash. And they don't have a checkbook. Prove it to you. Find you a millennial sometime and ask them this question. Whose face is on a $10 bill? You know what they'll say? Siri, whose face is on a $10 bill? <laughs> they don't know whose face is on the picture because they're not carrying the cash. But they know how to access it. And they know how to do it through their technology. And that's how they're giving today. In fact, many of you, that's how you're giving today. You pay for stuff on your phone. You pay for stuff on your computer. But you're not doing it with a checkbook, and you're not doing it with cash. So what does that mean? That means as we move forward, we're going to start becoming a little bit more creative and thinking through how can we help facilitate this with people from both ends of the spectrum. How can we do this? So we're going to be exploring and finding different ways in which we can do this so that there's not only one way to give. Now, that's only part of the problem. Here's the other one, and that is the automated giving. It's great if you automate. I do automated giving. There's a problem with that. It's easy to forget that it's an act of worship. And then it just becomes this matter, this thing that happens in the background, but I don't stop and I don't pause to think about 
and to give thanks to and recognize this is part of my worship to you, O God. And I've done that. And I think there's a pretty good chance if I've done it, a lot of you have too. And so what can we do about that? Well, we're going to initiate a few changes. First, we do want to be deliberate about it when we pray together. And so you heard David earlier in, in part, as part of the prayer. We thank you for the offerings that we've given. And we're stopping to remember that. And for those of you that have this automatically or, or you're doing it some other way, that's a means for you to pause and to let that be part of your act of worship to God, to, to tap into the mental and the spiritual dimension of all that God has brought to you and to stop to, to give you the chance to let it be your act of worship. In the future, what we're aspiring to is working to some of those QR codes so that those of you that like to give on your phones, you'll have that means available to you. And, um, you know, we're not doing it right now only because we're limited on our online speed. And if all of you take your phones out at the same time, the Internet's going to crash. So we've got to build our speed up, and we're working on a second line so that we can have something like that so that it can be potentially something that we can do together. Um, we're going to mention it. We're going to highlight it on different Sundays, and we're going, to, we're going to talk about different aspects of it because this is important. This is important. And in the meantime, let me give you something else that you can do that I've actually suggested before, and then I fell out of the practice of, but I want to pass it on to you. We still have these little boxes. There's one over there. There's one back there. I think there's one over there. But we have these opportunities, these places where you can go and you can put your offering in. And if you're giving online and digitally, that's not you. Here's my encouragement. Get a quarter. If you don't have a quarter, get a nickel. You ain't got a nickel, get a penny, a dime, some coin. Get you a coin. You don't have any coins, then tear you off a little piece of paper and write on there, this is the token of my offering that I have given. And now it is a physical act that you can do. And don't worry about people going, people are going to send me put a quarter in the box, Jack. <laughs> what are they going to think about me? It isn't about you. It's about your heart with God. And so who cares what this guy thinks about your offering? It's I'm being deliberate and intentional as an act of worship. This is the representation of what it is that I'm giving unto you, O Lord. So think about, consider that. You know, wasn't that long ago, too, I, I want to highlight something to you parents. I saw, I saw one of our deacons a while back. He didn't know I was watching. And he goes over here and takes his children with him. And he sits around the box, and he's given them aspects of the offering. And he says, now you put this in, and you put this in, and I'm putting this in. And it was sort of like their giving and his giving. And this guy was discipling his children to remember, this is a part of our worship. This is what we, we do as a means of giving back to God and recognizing all that he's given to us. And man, that marked me. That moved me. I thought, that is discipleship because it's as you're going. And so I encourage you, parents, do your kids know you even give? Dial them in on that. Let them know. Let them see. Let them be part of whether it's putting it in or, hey, we're hitting the send button. <laughs> Whatever it is, dial them in so that they can see this and participate in that way. Because think about it. What, what if on our Sunday mornings we didn't do prayer? You think that short circuit our time of worship a little bit? What if we said, you know, we're not going to do singing anymore? You think that would short circuit it? Y'all can catch us some YouTube videos this week, and, and you can do your worship then, through, uh, worship through singing, or even the preaching of the Word. We're not going to preach this week. There's some podcasts. You can go on there. You can listen to those. 
No. All that we would say, that's hamstringing us. It's the same thing with our giving. We want it to be a part of our worship, our expression unto God. So we've lost something with the changes. Again, I'm owning this. And as you hear more about it, I'm just telling you up front, we're not trying to drum up more money. We're not trying to get more. We are going to try to include technology so that we can be more expansive in how we can help and enable and facilitate others to be purposeful in their worship through giving. Story goes of a man loved his dad, wanted to get his dad this big birthday present. His dad is kind of like most of us, sort of like if he wanted something, he would just go out and get it. So it's very hard to think of something to get his dad. And one day he goes into the store and he finds his parrot, or his parakeet rather. And the parakeet, it was amazing. This thing spoke five different languages and can interpret languages for you. On top of that, it could sing all these different versions of songs. So the man said, okay, that's what I'm getting my dad. It's unique, it's special, it's awesome. And he goes to the store clerk and says, how much? And they said, $10,000 for that parakeet. Are you kidding me? He goes, but you know what? I love my dad. I love him a lot. So he dropped $10,000 on that bird, bought him. And then he told the people, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Here's where my dad lives. I want you to hand deliver this parakeet to my dad on this date. It was the next day. And went, oh, yeah, no problem. So they did. So the young man calls his dad in the evening. Hey, dad, I sent you a birthday present. Did you get it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Well, what would you think? Did you like it? The dad said, like it? It was delicious. <laughs> the dad didn't understand the nature of the gift. And because of that, he treated it in a way that was other than the way it was to be utilized. And that's a whole lot of us with worship and giving. We don't understand the nature behind what God is doing through it. And so we give maybe for the wrong reasons, or we fail to give altogether because we're not grasping something about who God is and what he's trying to do in and through us, through the, our, our acts of worship, through giving. You give to be like Christ, to share in every dimension and live out as a means of worship because you're going to entrust unto him that which he's already entrusted unto us completely. And I'll make you a promise, worship through giving, it'll change you. It'll change all of us. It's a specially devoted time where we get to be like the one who just doesn't like, but who loves us.